Welcome to Faux Planet, the hydrogen podcast. My name is Antoine and I'm doing a 7,000 kilometers bike trip to interview hydrogen actors. Okay, so can you uh, start by presenting yourself? Yes, uh, my name is uh, Laurens Terraneo. I'm a project engineer at uh, Frames Group in the Netherlands. Um, Frames Group is, uh, is a company that is uh, functioning as a system integrator. Uh, for the past 35 years, uh, it has been operating in the upstream oil and gas industry. And about 10 years ago, we, uh, we started diversifying our product portfolio to, uh, uh, to include renewable uh, energy systems. Um, for example, some carbon capture and biogas installations. And in the past uh, uh, eight years, we have also moved into uh, well, hydrogen, generation of hydrogen, storage of hydrogen and, and treatment. Um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, and so uh, you create product uh, like you were saying to me? Yeah, um, so a system integrator is, uh, in our case, we, we engineer a system together based on the specifications that a customer provides or, uh, or a customer has a certain problem that we need to solve. Uh, and then we engineer a solution, we, we purchase all the components and um, yeah, basically the knowledge that we have uh, in, in terms of in engineering manufacturing is uh, um, well uh, sufficient for us to, to connect all the components to a working system and uh, high quality systems and deliver them actually to, to, to our customers all over the world. Um, the size of these systems ranges uh, ranges in um, well, let's say uh, from small shipping containers to uh, to full total plants. Um, some of the, the the plants you see uh, that we have uh, uh, have realized um, involve uh, very large vessels, for example. Uh, but also um, we work on smaller systems. For example, right now the the 25 kilowatt electrolyzer. Um, that we have worked together with uh, with Block Powers uh, electrolysis stack. So um, yeah, that's uh, what we do. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And can we uh, speak about uh, technical uh, things like uh, uh, the electrolyzer, like the the first yeah. piece? Yeah. So um, our what we do in electrolysis, we we mainly focus on PEM electrolysis. So there's different types of yeah. electrolysis, uh, and um, uh, you have, for example, alkaline electrolysis, uh, um, which is based on uh, on a liquid electrolyte, uh, and then there's PEM electrolysis, um, which is basically replacing that liquid electrolyte by a polymer membrane. Okay. And this membrane is uh, um, uh, is able to conduct protons, small uh, positive charged particles, uh, through the membrane, okay. and recombine them um, at the cathode. Uh, and also recombination occurs at the anode. So basically on one side we have the oxygen evolution happening yeah. and on the other side we have the hydrogen evolution happening. And that's all performed without um, any, any chemicals. Uh, so we literally only need water and electricity, uh, very pure water and electricity to make this happen. Um, and it's, uh, it's also um, uh, capable of very dynamic operation. So the, the old uh, technology of electrolysis, which is alkaline electrolysis, um, takes some time in, in terms of ramping up yeah. uh, to, to full load. And uh, PEM stacks um, can very quickly uh, charge, uh, basically uh, uh, switch in, in a load point. 
So it's, it's only dependent on how quickly we provide the power to the stack, the electricity to make the pro process happen. Okay, and uh, but those um, electrolyzers are more expensive for, for now? Uh, yes, for now they, uh, they are. Uh, they have some advantages uh, also in terms of footprint, so they can be uh, a lot smaller actually compared to the alkaline stacks. Um, and for uh, I think the past 30 years these stacks have been in development. Yeah. Um, and what we see happening right now throughout the industry is, uh, is continuous improvement uh, of, this, uh, of this component, basically, of the membranes, um, the, the catalysts that are being used. Uh, there's a lot of research being performed to the type of catalyst uh, that is used as well. And um, the stack is also um, capable of uh, reaching a higher discharge pressure more easily which is actually uh, uh, um, a good thing for any downstream equipment, for example, compressors. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting development and, uh, and also a technology that is going to be used uh, as much as, or if not more than, for example, alkaline electrolysis that we, that we see today. Okay, so the advantage, the advantage on what you were telling, it's um, more fast, it goes more fast, it can recharge more... Um, yeah, so it, it's interesting because uh, uh, I think, if I'm correct, it's about uh, 40 or 50 years ago that um, uh, there was this ongoing battle between battery technology and hydrogen, and the breakthrough happened basically at battery technology, and then, um, well, people forgot a little bit about hydrogen. And now we see these, uh, uh, these broad range of applications that can be used, um, which means the techniques that are being used to generate hydrogen in, in, a, in a, well, powered by electricity, are all being looked at again and try, uh, to, trying to be improved by, uh, by all these uh, types of companies. Um, so I wouldn't, uh, I'm not able to say right now that the advantages or the development of PEM electrolysis is going quicker. Yeah. Um, then, for example, how alkaline has happened, uh, has developed. Um, I think naturally it will occur, occur quicker because our own technology itself is already in a, well, um, a better state compared to 100 years ago when the first alkaline electrolysis was actually performed. Okay. So uh, it's going to be a race between both. Um, and um, a lot of companies actually offer both of the types of electrolysis. Um, right now, I can't really uh, really yeah. say what uh, what's going to be the upper hand, basically. And um, and uh, for the two, uh, what, what's the difference of price? Can you tell about uh, how much it costs uh, a fork? Like, uh, do you see how much it costs? Yeah. So um, that's uh, there's this magic number that uh, that everybody talks about in the hydrogen business, yeah. which is um, the price per kilowatts, okay. basically. Um, okay. And um, if we look at a full system, yeah. not only the stack, the larger you go, generally the price of uh, the price per kilowatt of capacity goes down. Yeah. Um, for PEM stacks, uh, right now the price is above uh, the the price level of alkaline stacks, but we've seen it uh, getting very close or even surpassing alkaline uh, alkaline electrolysis in some cases in the market. Um, so, uh, as I said, it's still a race between both of them. Okay. Um, but there's also the the, the aspect of uh, um, the situation that you want to use this electrolysis in. For example, if I uh, uh, we're looking a lot at renewable energy generation right now uh, throughout the world, of course. So we see wind farms popping up here and there, and solar farms. And uh, let's take the Netherlands as an example. 
our our electricity grid is not built for that sudden increase of electricity production. Um, and these sources are, are va variable power sources, right? The sun goes up and the sun goes down. The wind uh, wind starts to blow harder or uh, or less. Um, and that means that the power generated um, is also very variable. Um, and for PEM electrolysis, it's actually quite easy to connect those those electrolyzers to this variable power source, source okay. and follow that low profile. And for alkaline electrolysis, that's a little bit more complicated and hard to do. So if you have a solid power source uh, that is able to continuously provide you at the same level, uh, yeah, then alkaline would be a little bit of a better option uh, right now. Um, and um, if that is not the case, then uh, PEM electrolysis is, is very interesting to take a look at. Okay, and uh, how many uh, electrolyzer uh, system are you selling like for now? Uh? So um, what we see here for at least in the Netherlands, um, which is uh, the market I know the most about uh, to my experience, um, is we see that total installed power actually for PEM electrolysis is, uh, is not a lot. I think it's only a couple of megawatts. So that's not, not, not too much. Okay. Um, so uh, we... Yeah, yeah. No, so we, what we did is right now in our total uh, delivered installed power is uh, 75 kilowatts basically. And if we look at the projects that we have in the pipeline right now, um, we expect to, uh, uh, to have by the end of 2021 uh, uh, multiple megawatts delivered already. Okay, yeah. so you see like uh, it's yes. developed very quickly. Yeah, there's a, a, a huge increase in demand, uh, requests coming in, regardless of the, the volatility of the, the energy, the oil and gas market that we, we have to deal with. We see, uh, for example, for hydrogen projects, uh, RFQs coming in uh, every day uh, for, for very interesting projects. And um, um, we also see that the market that we, well, we are generally used to working with uh, it's going to be very different because the 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 way we can apply this technology uh, is is so diverse. So, for example, we are in touch with farmers who have their roof filled with solar panels who can't get the electricity on the grid. Yeah, so they but on the other, store it, yeah. yeah, and they need to store it in some way. Uh, so uh, that's the agricultural sector, for example, that we're speaking with. But uh, there's other companies that we are speaking with that are actually very well versed in the engineering uh, engineering world and the energy market and there we get uh, a boatload of specifications that we have to work with so it's a very diverse market with very diverse uh, range of application and it's going to be so so immensely big that everybody would would be able to get a piece of the pie yeah. it's just a matter of how hungry you are and how much you want to can <laughs> eat yeah and uh, and um do you know how many megawatts you need to produce to uh, provide uh, of uh, economy of scale and to uh, bring down the price to so what we uh, what we are involved in as, uh, as frames is uh, uh, the one gigawatt gigawatt design study uh, okay. so we are already looking at uh, together in collaboration with a lot of different companies uh, part of the Inst Institute of sustainable process technology uh looking at scaling up this uh this technology yeah. um how many megawatts we need i can i can't yeah, give you a number of course not um but uh it will not take very long i would say before we actually move into uh, a couple of hundred megawatts installed in the netherlands i would say that will happen in uh, the coming uh, 
five to, to eight years, hopefully, because okay. we need those uh, those things to happen to also reach the goals in the climate agreement. Yeah. Um, and from there, we, we have to see how, how everything will progress. There's a lot of things happening right now, and um, uh, it's hard to uh, to determine what the, the, the road is that will be will be taken to reach these goals, even though we have this this very big plan. Um, I think we, we need a lot more regulation and, and stimulus from uh, from politi- the political side here in the Netherlands as well to basically give a clear view to the industry what uh, what's going to be the way to go. There's not much regulation around hydrogen yeah. and uh, <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's the beginning. We're at the the well, we, we are ready to embark on this journey and we don't know where it's going to go, but um, we're in it for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so you think that in 10 years, um, the price of the hardware, the hardware to produce uh, hydrogen will decrease, will really decrease? Do you have like a... a well, we need to reach a certain price level uh, to make sure it's competitive with uh, fossil fuels right yeah. now. Right? That's the biggest driver. Eventually everything comes down to money, 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 money. Exactly. And right now hydrogen is more expensive than use of fossil fuels. So there's a couple of things that need to happen for that. Um, one of the things is uh, make sure that the el- price for the electricity that we use to generate yeah. goes down, um, which will definitely happen in the near future. And this is the case uh, with like solar panel don't cost uh, nothing. Yeah, they don't cost a lot. And uh, there's also big projects uh, coming up in uh, in Africa, for example. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that has to happen is the, the cost of hardware and the technology yeah. itself. And um, uh, they will both go their own natural way. And it's it's a very competitive market. So we actually uh, see that happening as we speak already. Um, so yeah, I, I think it will, will happen in, in um, well, I would say 10 years might be uh, might be a bit too a bit soon. I hope it will happen, but yeah. um, we, uh, we will definitely reach that competitive price level. And um, studies have already shown that um, if we do the right investment, the price level we reach uh, in in a, this sustainable economy where hydrogen, a, a mix of hydrogen and electricity is used, uh, we will get to a price of hydrogen that will be competitive uh, or almost the same actually uh, compared to what we see right now with fossil fuels. Okay. It's just the fact that we have to do this investment to get there. Yeah, of course. And w- what's going to be the return? Yeah. And uh, since uh, you have started, the, the price uh, decrease uh, or no? Well, I've been doing this for uh, for yeah. two years, uh, and um, the the partners that we speak with, uh, for example, Plug Power, um, yeah. that is uh, it's a company that was um, mainly focusing on fuel cells, uh, and recently they have acquired Giner ELX, which was our stack partner. So now they. Um, uh, they are also working on their electrolyzer stacks mm. and increasing production capacity and with that also reducing uh, the, the cost price for these components. Um, so yeah, I definitely see it happening. Yeah, In those two years already prices went down and uh, the market has also become uh, much more competitive. I remember that um, I would say about two years ago we uh, well we will, were way away from uh, uh, million euros per megawatt but right now we uh, we are looking at um, uh, opportunities where we can match that actually 
so that's uh, that's a good improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So today is uh, like how many to uh, install one megawatts? Like uh, how much it costs? Yeah. How much does it cost? Uh, so um, it depends, of course, uh, where and what uh, the type of specifications for the system. But uh, let's say if we we look at a general scenario. Um, you would say uh, so. A general scenario is like one electrolyzer. Can you uh, say the whole uh, system, like uh, the whole? Piece? Yeah, yeah. So the whole, let's say one megawatt electrolyzer, the whole system. Uh, here in the Dutch market, we we hear prices a price range from 1.2 to 1.5 million euros, and and some companies go below that. Um, and, and for that you have an electrolyzer, a compressor. No, no, no you only have the generation actually, and okay, the and, so the, and and the treatment. So it, it will produce hydrogen uh, at let's say 30 bars for PEM in this case, uh, with a purity of 99.999%. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, so so then it's you just don't. To produce it's just to produce the hydrogen, basically. Yeah, yeah. So and then still some things have to happen um, uh, on the downstream side of things. Yeah. Right, so this gas, hydrogen, it's, it doesn't have a, a very high energy density, uh, so we need to compress it a lot to, to transport some mass. Uh, so what we see right now is um, uh, there's tube trailers which we can fill up to 900 bars, and I think almost 2,500 kilograms of hydrogen goes into those trailers then, but the trailer itself weighs a lot more. It's just a lot of carrying steel around to get the gas there. So. Um, uh, one of the aspects that's also very interesting to look at is transport, right? Are we going to inject it into a pipeline or uh, are we going to bind it to a carrier? For example, uh, uh, such as Hydrogenius does. Do you know the name Hydrogenius? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well they have uh, patented uh, technology to basically bind hydrogen to, uh, to a liquid organic yeah. Uh, carrier. Like, uh, ammonia. Uh, yes, but in this case they use uh, dibenzyl toluene, if that's okay. the right English pronunciation. <laughs> um, and uh, we actually work together with them on the on the storage side of things, so binding the the hydrogen to uh, to this liquid. And so concretely, how does it work? So you take the hydrogen. And after you transform it, uh, how do you transform it? In? Uh, it's a it's a reaction um, happening in a, in a it's a, catal a catalytically driven reaction, um, and uh, the process itself also releases some energy. So once we get it going, we can bind the hydrogen to this liquid. Yeah. And then when the hydrogen is bound, it's the liquid itself isn't as hazardous as the, as the gas itself, as hydrogen gas itself. So it makes it easier to uh, to pump it, transport it in tankers. Uh, you know, it, it, it gives uh, a lot of extra possibilities and adds to safety. And at the end you need to transform it again? Yeah, so uh, when it's bound and it's transported, it needs to be released again. And that process costs some energy as well. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but if it's going to add in, in terms of safety and efficiency, because you can bind a lot of mass in a smaller volume compared yeah. to how much you need to compress hydrogen. Um, so it gives a lot of possibilities and uh, interesting aspect for the future. Um, so yeah, I hope that's, uh, that's also that will be something that's, uh, that's going to take off because uh, if we really are going to build a hydrogen economy, uh, we need ways to uh, efficiently and safely transport it. Of course. Yeah. And so you work on it on this? Um, my focus uh, is uh, mainly with electrolysis. I have, uh, uh, I have the pleasure to be working with uh, very skilled and knowledgeable people around me um, who are working on, uh, for example, LOHC, okay. uh, liquid carrier. Um, so, um, 
yes, we uh, it's still a small team, but we uh, we have uh, <laughs> gathered a lot of knowledge already in the past uh, yeah. <laughs> past couple of years. And um, the interesting thing is that uh, the experience that Frames has uh, in the past 35 years in systems integration is something uh, uh, that we can use very well actually for the integration of these electrolysis stacks and uh, or the LOHC uh, technology into uh, working plants or working systems. So um, yeah, very happy to be there. Yeah, yeah it's very interesting and we are at the beginning so that's uh, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. A sh it's a shame I couldn't show you the work uh, workshop today uh, due to the COVID oh. situation but um, yeah, it would have been a nice view. Yeah. yeah, because you do all of, like you said before, you do all of your yeah, work here. Yeah, we do, uh, if it's possible, we do yeah. the work here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if the size uh, doesn't allow us to uh, to have it in our workshop, um, then uh, we do it at location or uh, supervise the assembly uh, ourselves at a, at a third party. Yeah. Okay, and after, uh, so you work uh, on the, the whole system, you don't work on compressors or... No, so we're not a technology owner. Uh, we we really purchase the components. Yeah. Uh, we have a very yeah. broad supply chain. Okay, but after it's you who, so who buy the component and to build the project. Yeah, uh, and we assemble and it all together. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And uh, do you think that uh, you want uh, in the future you want to integrate like the whole? Uh, process or um, what do you mean exactly by the whole process because like, uh, like uh, all the, the component uh, to make a project oh we actually do that already okay yeah so uh, we we are capable of offering uh, basically everything from generation up until compression storage and dispensing okay. dispensing uh, because we uh, we are working with various partners throughout the yeah. Netherlands and also overseas with plug power for the electrolysis tax for example and uh, uh, so we know where to get the components. We we are definitely capable uh, to uh, well to realize these kind of projects as well. So for example, if there's uh, a location where a fueling station, including generation, can be built, we are able to to offer that. We are able to tackle that together with our partners. Oh. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things we can do actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you think that uh, with uh, techni technological improvement, uh, the the efficiency will be uh, better? Because that's the problem also with hydrogen, like uh, you lost uh, lots of energy. Like yeah. You need five unity, uh, four unity of energy to create uh, one unity of hydrogen. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, um, and that's a very interesting question. And uh, there's actually a lot of people debating about this constantly. Why are we looking at hydrogen? Because it, it costs energy to generate it. Yeah. And we are losing energy to generate electricity from it again, which is a valid, valid point, of course. But it's also... Uh, a matter of how you look at it. Um, right now, there's a, a very big um, difference when between when we have the peak demand of, of energy compared when we have compared to when we have peak generation. Yeah. So um, the reason why we're looking at hydrogen is because not only uh, for mobility sector uh, it's interesting, but also uh, it's used uh, in as a chemical feedstock in various industries, and right now. Uh, it's produced in a very polluting way, uh, generally. So it will be a mix between both both worlds, between electro uh, electricity and hydrogen, and, and the efficiency itself will definitely improve uh, a bit more over time. But there's always this... Um, um, 
incompressible. Yeah, <laughs> this 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 irreversible loss that. Okay. Uh, because uh, what happened like when you put electricity in the electrolyzer wh why there is lost okay so in theory uh, uh if you want 100 percent efficient conversion uh to to hydrogen basically from water to hydrogen um you are changing uh, a liquid to a gas first of all and there's energy involved in the phase change from liquid to gas so that that energy is something that you will never be able to use again first of all Okay. Then, uh, if we would have a 100% efficient uh, re reaction, the splitting of the water molecule, uh, that would be very nice, right? 100% efficient reaction. But unfortunately, uh, in reality, there's losses going on. So uh, there's resistance, electrical resistance that has to be overcome. Uh, there is uh, a force that you have to take into account. For example, the pressure difference between the anode and the cathode. Uh, and that all eventually affects, affects the voltage that this cell operates at, a cell of in, in the electrolysis stack operates at. Um, and what we are looking at right now, uh, uh, we, I mean, the industry is looking at ways to get that voltage down even more in different ways, by increasing operating temperature, by uh, uh, optimizing uh, the membrane, uh, membrane array and the, the gas diffusion layers. Uh, there's a lot of th different things that still have some room for improvement, um, but it will never be 100% efficient because that's just not how, not how thermodynamics <laughs> work. Yeah. That's not possible. And so, uh, could you say like uh, a fork, like uh, today when you put electricity in an electrolyzer to make hydrogen, like uh, how many do you lost, you know? Yeah, so if we, uh, it depends on where you're operating, but yeah. uh, it varies between, uh, let's say uh, 80 to, um, well, 67% that range 67 to 80. yeah well, yeah something okay. like that and, yeah uh, you think that uh, we could uh, we move that up a little bit more over time and it's also your system design so yeah. um, right because the electrolyzer can operate at different load points from yeah. let's say uh, simply put 10 to 100 percent uh, and over that range it has a different efficiency point um, and also how you design the system around the stack uh, influences how that efficiency is, is uh, uh, what the efficiency comes down to. So, for example, if we are going to operate at 50% uh, power, yeah. are we still going to run our pumps at 100% power and run our fans to cool at 100% power? Probably not, because it's not needed. So, how you implement all those kind of factors into system design also affects the efficiency of the overall electrolyzer. And then there's, of course, the, the stack itself, which is the main, well, um, the main... Um, I don't want to say obstacle because I don't think that's the right word. Yeah. But it's the main, uh, uh, the main origin of this this efficiency, this efficiency loss, basically, because that's just how the process works. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lots of information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. I uh, it's. Uh, it's very interesting, and um, every day there's more to learn about these. Uh, these kind of subjects. Um, so, uh, also, thank you very much for, uh, for uh, inviting me and having this talk. No, thank you, you for uh, <laughs> making me learn like this. Yeah, no problem. I, it's uh, really appreciated that you uh, go this far to, uh, to teach yourself and also <laughs> other people about this. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. I